Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of Uncorked with Funny Wine Girl. I'm Funny Wine Girl, Janine Luby. And again, this week, I am doing a little bit of a flashback. Well, last week wasn't so much of a flashback because it only flashed back to the previous week where I did some stand-up comedy. This is a true flashback. This is going back to April of 2011 when I did an interview with uh, the wonderful woman named Teresa Velarde, who used to do uh, Transformational Tuesdays, in which she would have guest speakers who would share something positive, something powerful. And I had the pleasure and the privilege to be on her uh, weekly call and talk about the power of humor to help us get through our challenges in life, to help us bond and unite. Uh, to help us think positively, impact our health and wellness, and of course, the power of laughter itself. So this interview is from 2011. So I have to say some things are a little bit outdated. Uh, I do not have a notprincecharming.com website anymore, as I did. And uh, you'll hear in this interview, I was promoting a World Laughter Day event in 2011. I still celebrate World Laughter Day every year, but that is in May. So just a few things. The crux of this interview, everything else that I pretty much talk about still stands. We all can unite with humor and laughter. We all can use it for ourselves to heal, to feel good for our wellness, especially uh, these days we have so much stress and pressure going on between what's happening in the world, the pandemic, uh, our day-to-day lives. We really do need to take care of ourselves, our physical and our mental health, which mental health is really part of our overall general health because it's it's so important and laughter and humor can help with that to a great de- degree. So uh, without further ado, I will uh, have that interview upcoming up next. And I do want to say that while I am far, far from a perfect speaker now, I know that I'm not. Keep, please bear with me from 10 years ago. The Janine in 2011 said, um, quite a bit. As I re-listened to this interview, I was like, wow, okay. So I still say it, but I say it much less. So that's good. So Don't cringe too much. Just uh, try to get the message, hopefully. And uh, I really do want you to use humor and laughter in in your lives, even if it's just a little bit, because it really will make a difference to you. And here's the great part. However we are feeling does affect people around us. So if you start to feel better or happier, even if it's only for part of your day, it will impact those around you, your family, your friends, your coworkers, your boss, uh, people in the community you can help spread positivity. I know that sounds kind of corny when we see those little self-help posters with the little ripple, you know, a stone, a pebble in the lake and all the ripple effect that it does have, but it's true. It is true that our mood can totally impact others. Now, other people could be really like ironclad and (laughs) whether you're angry or happy, they may not be impacted in the least, but most of us really do pick up on other people's vibes. So I hope you'll enjoy this interview. Again, it's from 2011. A shout out to Teresa Velarde who had me on her show. It was such a pleasure. And I really do wish you well and hope that you'll use humor, laughter to get through the days ahead. We've got back to school coming up, lots of stress. Uh, The winter ahead, things people don't like to think about that tends to add a little bit more pressure, maybe anxiety and even depression. Seasonal uh, effect disorder comes up uh, in the coming months. So a lot of things that if we have the right resources, maybe we can cope a little bit better. Uh, I also want to give a a little bit of a 
not a shout out, but a plug of what's coming next. In the coming weeks, we will be doing some topics related to back to school and September. I am so excited about September. I will be turning 50 in September and I plan on doing a whole series of uh, fabulous 50s, speaking to women who are in their 50s that are living life and loving it and in their 50s and not saying, you know, oh, I'm still 30 or I'm still 25 people who are really owning their age uh, and just loving and excelling and thriving in life. So I look forward to sharing that with you. I am Janine Luby, aka Funny Wine Girl, and you're listening to Uncorked with Funny Wine Girl. Have a great day. Okay, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Transformational Tuesdays. I'm Teresa Velarde, and I'm so happy to be with you all this morning. Today is April the 27th, and we have a very special guest with us this morning, Ms. Janine Luby, who we are going to have a conversation with about the power of laughter. So let me just give you some background on Janine. Janine first began using the power of humor when she was about five years old, dancing around her parents' living room to the village people's song, YMCA. She felt then just how great it was to make people laugh, even if it was her family who would laugh no matter what she did. Since then, she's been honing her comedic skills and developing ways to deliver more laughter and humor into people's lives. She says that her experience attending Catholic school for 13 years, from kindergarten to 12th grade, has and being a single age at excuse me, being single at age 39 has made a, made it relatively easy to write material for her stand-up performances. In addition to performing stand-up for more than five years, she's also been performing comedy improv for over 10. And it was in 2006 that she discovered laughter yoga. And, and which is another way to make people laugh that incorporates another passion of hers, which is health and wellness. Having earned her BA in journalism and a minor in sociology from Penn State, while she was working at the marketing communications department in, at Blue Cross Blue Shield of Northeastern Pennsylvania, Janine continued her education, earning a master's of communication at Marywood University in 2006. During that time, she decided to combine her passion and talents of communicating wellness and laughter to start her business, Laugh to Live. She was so inspired by the research that she did about the value of laughter for a research class that she went on to learn about laughter yoga, which is a practice of laughing for health. And and, um, it was founded by um, a doctor in Mumbai, India in 1995. Janine then trained in, in uh, Philadelphia with Steve Wilson's laughter, um, excuse me, World Laughter Tour to become a certified laughter leader. And then in 2010, she trained again in Washington, D.C. at the American School of Laughter Yoga to become a certified laughter yoga teacher. Now, Janine continues to encourage and engage people in laughter through humor, continuing to do stand-up and improv, and she has authored her self-published book, He's Not Prince Charming When, dot, 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 I love the title, and she focuses her business efforts on promoting wellness, using laughter yoga for corporations, conferences, nonprofits, universities, schools, seniors, 
presenters and um, individuals. Anyone who is ready and willing to laugh is a client for Janine. So without further ado, let me introduce to you a woman that I met um, who, when she interviewed me, really gets to know her a little bit when she interviewed me for the conference that we did for Women's Prosperity Network last year on ION Television, Ms. Janine Luby. Good morning, Janine. How are you today? Good morning, Teresa. Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing great. Good. Janine, I, I want... We've been talking about, over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about ways to be courageous and to really be ourselves. And, you know, when we were talking the other day, when I invited you to come to the call, I was thinking about how your knowledge of laughter and humor for wellness and promoting the best people we can be um, really fit well into what we've been been talking about on our Tuesday calls. So um, share with us some of what you know about the power of laughter in your life. Okay. Um, it's really, it's kind of neat how, I like how life um, unfolds and you don't really quite know what's around the corner and things are kind of, kind of gelling together nicely. Um, you know, you, you did a great job with my bio there, my intro, that I discovered, you know, the power of humor and laughter early in life, but I also have kind of like these social anxiety issues. So when people say, oh, well, you must have been the class clown, it's like, oh, no. I was trying to be the quote-unquote perfect student. I had good grades, and I would never, ever think of disrupting class or doing any clowning around. But I would do it with my family, and I loved, I guess, the attention for one thing, but also that that there's power in that, like making people laugh, because, you know, you see what it does for them. They feel good, and I always felt good doing that. Um, So it wasn't until I I was pretty much in my shell, I would say. I always say I'm a late bloomer. Um, After college, I didn't even do any performance in high school or college, and it wasn't until after college and I returned home from Penn State that I started performing improvisation. And again, when I was doing a show and I'd look out and I would love um, seeing people respond to something that I did, and then I finally tried stand-up, which was my original, um, you know, desire when I was a kid. It just... I, when I was a kid, I thought, oh, wouldn't it be cool to do stand-up? But I would write these little pieces of, you know, joke ideas on, you know, old tablets and, you know, scrapbooks, thinking that I would never use it, that it would never see the light of day. It just wasn't something that seemed realistic. So I tried improv first, and then I did stand-up, I want to say, in about 2004 or five, when I was visiting a friend in Houston because I thought, well, no one knows me here, so if I bomb, I can go home and no one has to know about this. Um, and actually, you know, I'm like, this is great. You know, what happens in Houston stays in Houston, especially if they don't laugh. But uh, I ended up doing well, and I came home and I started going to open mics in Philadelphia. At the time, there weren't a ton in the Scranton area. Um, and then I just I got a taste for it, and I loved making people laugh. And also with stand-up, it's stand-up and improv are so different Stand-up, you get to really be personal. So it is, um, you talked about, you know, being courageous and being our true selves, and and there's such power in humor, and I think it's something that we tend to not um, think about a lot, what a great tool and resource um, humor can be. Because, you know, people, the best stand-up comics, use their own lives, their own material, and a lot of uh, comedians have had, you know, horrible pasts, whether they've had, you know, uh, dysfunctional families or whatever, and the stage is really a great place. It's like, you know, the the psychologist or psychiatrist couch because you get to have power over whatever the problems are or things that are bothering you in your life and you get to use them 
and make people feel good by making them laugh. And uh, there's a gentleman in Canada named David Grenier who does this with people with mental illness, and uh, he's created an organization called Stand Up for Mental Health. And it's incredible what he does. He has people, um, they could be bipolar, schizophrenic, all sorts of uh, issues. And he himself had struggled with manic depression and almost committed suicide. And he gets them in there. He teaches them how to write jokes and how to get up on stage. And they are so, so funny. And they get control or power over um, their illness as opposed to them feeling like their illness is controlling them. So there's great power in, uh, in humor. And so that's, that's the one side that I like to focus on. But I also like with the laughter yoga, the great part is that you don't need the humor with laughter yoga. And that's pretty much why that was started um, by a medical doctor in India, Dr. Kataria, because he believed so much in the power of laughter for our bodies, the physiological benefits for our minds, our bodies, our spirits, that he thought, how can I get a group of people, all different ages, genders, and you know, different points of view, maybe different intellectual abilities, get them all together laughing at the same thing? Because you know, with humor, it can be really a challenge because not everyone laughs at the same joke. So he decided, right. what if we just start laughing for the sake of laughing, because we can and because we choose to? And he started that in 1995, and it's become a worldwide movement that's practiced in well over 60 countries. And it's just a great thing. And um, I took the training because I, I think it's so nice to be able to get people to laugh using the humor, which is great, and that's somewhat even selfish because, as I said, it's therapeutic for me. Um, but also through the laughter yoga because then you get this group of people and all they have to do is follow my lead and do these very gentle, very easy exercises and laugh simply for the sake of laughing to feel good. So describe for me how you would have, I could, because I, I'm, I'm picturing all sorts of different things when you say laughter yoga. Now, I've practiced yoga before in my life, and um, for me, um, knowing what I know about yoga, laughter and yoga really, <laughs> they don't fit together So in my head, but yet I know that this works, and I know that this is very powerful. And so describe for me, for the people who are stuck in this silence and quiet yoga-type um, visual Please describe for me and for the listeners what it, what you mean, how you engage people in laughter, do, laughter during the process of yoga. Okay. Well, I think there's there's kind of we come to know certain words to mean certain things. So when people hear laughter yoga, they usually tend to um, hone in on the word yoga and they think of what they've seen on TV or if they've taken a class. And you know, I've taken some classes myself and. There's all sorts of yoga. If people were to research that, I mean, you know, there's hot yoga, there's, you know, power yoga where you're getting more of a workout and you're uh, toning, and then there's meditative yoga where it's really all about just quieting the mind and everything. So there's all kinds of yoga. So with laughter yoga, we're not doing um, what people tend to think, okay, you bring a yoga mat and we're going to be doing all sorts of positions like downward dog and we're going to try to laugh. I, I can't imagine trying to laugh when you're holding one of well, those that's, poses. That's what I'm saying. Like that's for the people, for people like me who have yeah. yoga, the meditative kind of yoga stuck in the back of their heads. That's why, mm -hmm. that's why this is important. So. Sure. And, so go ahead. Um, 
I think it's important too, and people can take a look at uh, my website is laughtolive.net, and I have some videos up there because I think the best way is to see it, and an even better way is to actually experience it. But what it really is is there's a lot of clapping. Uh, we do a lot of chants of ho ho ha ha ha, which really gets um, a lot of deep breathing, and I think that's the real yoga connection because Dr. Kataria, who started it with his wife, they both had a yoga uh, background as well. They had taught yoga as well. So it's really based in the breathing. There's a lot of deep breathing. And of course, all yoga, the whole concept of yoga is that it's good for the mind, the body, the spirit. It's all about seeing the light in one another and the good. So that's all properties of this laughter yoga. But people don't need to be super flexible. They don't need to be bending. And what we do when I lead a session, we're typically standing. And as long as you know how to clap and basically just kind of burst into laughter like, ah, <laughs> and just start laughing. Um, people who haven't tried it will look at me and when I say that or show them and they think, oh my gosh, that seems really kind of crazy. And it's okay because it's different and unique, but all you have to do is be able to clap, be able to do some chants of ho, ho, ha, 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 um, and be willing to laugh and also be willing to try something different. Um, one thing I, you know, I like to say, and a lot of the other laughter yoga leaders will say at the beginning of a class, is that you have to be able to get out of your, um, your left brain or your rational brain that's thinking, oh my gosh, this looks silly, I look silly, is this a real thing, um, I have an appointment in a half an hour, all that stuff that's like the, the rational and the scheduled part of ourselves we have to get out of and just get into more of a, a free, open-minded creativity and just go with it. And, and it's really easy to do. Um, like I said, when people see it, they kind of like go, oh my gosh, that looks really silly. But that's the great part. Even if you have to um, kind of pretend at first with the laughter and do a little bit of a fake laughter, it will typically lead to genuine laughter, especially when you're doing it in a large group and you know the people you're with, even if you don't know them. It just seems to look so, it's very playful. It's meant to be childlike. It's meant to be playful. It's meant to be something that we as adults don't do enough of. We don't take time to be playful and to be a little bit silly. So it really requires us to be willing to be a little bit playful and to, uh, to kind of just give into it and just laugh for the sake of laughing for no reason. Right. And then laughter becomes contagious. So I can see exactly. how that would happen. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, Dr. Kataria, I mean, there's some different points of view on this, but his point of view is that the body doesn't know the difference. He has a saying, fake it till you make it, that, you know, your internal organs, all the things that benefit from laughter, your heart, your blood flow, doesn't know that you're simulating laughter or you're pretending. And it ultimately almost always leads to real laughter, but he feels that you can still get benefits from the pretend. Now, there are others who are disagreeing with that, but he, Dr. Kataria, believes that it does have the same benefits. So. Okay. And how, what's been your experience with that statement? Have you... Have you watched people uh, better their health, better their uh, mindset through the power of uh, laughter yoga and their continuing process with you? I have. I think it's a really, I mean, for me, I find it fascinating, the study of laughter and humor. It's really unique, and it's, it's an interesting thing because I don't think anyone can say with certainty that, okay, your blood pressure will be lowered when you laugh. There is research that, that shows a connection but I don't think anyone's making huge, bold statements and, you know, no one's saying you will cure yourself with laughter. Laughter is a healing tool, a healing resource like any other, um, you know, good, healthy habit or behavior. It's a great preventive kind of thing. But I don't think anyone's 
going to say that there's an absolute because it's hard to say absolute, but what I can say from what I've seen, I absolutely have seen people's faces where there's not um, a negative like look in the room after we're done. It's all smiles because if people do it and they give in to themselves and every group I've been with, there have been just a few people who've resisted a little and even those people by the end of the 30 minutes or 40 minutes, they're at least clapping. They, there's a couple that maybe didn't do the full exercises, but they at least clapped. So you could tell that they, it did actually impact them. And I've seen people, I've had people come up to me and I actually do testimonials to say, you know, I came here today, I was in a crappy mood, I was, I was stressed, I was feeling really miserable, and I feel better. Um, I had a, a worker, an employee at uh, Binghamton University tell me she was getting over a cold, she felt really kind of miserable, and she felt that afterwards, she felt that she was in a better mood, even like in her mind, she said she thought maybe her afternoon would be better. Um, so I've had people tell me those sorts of things, and from my own, what I witnessed, they definitely look happier. And that's another great benefit that I like to tout about laughter. You, you know, you can't hold a negative thought. That's another reason that Dr. Kataria started it, because when we're laughing, there's so much stress in the world, there's so much negativity, there's so many serious things happening, but when we're laughing, we can't think of that stuff. We can't hold any negativity. We can only experience something positive and healthy. And that's really powerful. That's, you know, the, the mind is incapable of holding those two things at the same time. So in the process of laughter, you're choosing to eliminate the negative and focus on the positive. That's awesome. Exactly. So um, what I'd like to do is maybe, uh, I'm, I'm sure that uh, some of the people who are listening may have a question for you. So for just a few minutes, I'm going to open the lines, and then we're going to talk about World Laughter Day uh, before we, we have uh, about 13 minutes left. So... Let me open the lines for people to ask or comment on what we're talking about so we can continue for a moment. There we go. Okay, so we have some people out there who may have a question or a comment for Janine. Well, no, you know, I, I'm Sean Neary. It just, it just happened yesterday. I was talking to someone. She was having allergies. And I was talking to her daughter, and I said, do the hokey pokey. And, and, uh, and, I, and, I just, and just, um, because it does, laughter does, um, improve the immune system. And then, of course, then Teresa sends me this email and here I am. I'm Hello? glad to have you on. Yeah. yeah. My phone. I'm, I'm sorry. So you said someone was doing the hokey pokey? <laughs> no, I suggested that, though, to do the hokey oh, okay. pokey. Yeah. That is actually, it's funny, that's, that's one of the laughter exercises we'll do sometimes where they'll, you know, put your body in and take the different parts out, but we do it with laughter. So it, you know, anything like that that's playful is just really. I mean, it's it's healthy. It's really good, especially to break tension and stress. And I like what you said about the, um, you know, the left and the right brains. You know, we have the analytical side of us, organized side of us. I don't have quite so much of that as the average people do. I'm more about the creativity, the having fun. Uh, I fall I fall very much into that um that playful profile. Anytime somebody does those personality profiles, I'm I'm all about the party, so I, I love how this works. Someone else have anything to say anything to ask for Janice? Or comment? Oh, you're all quiet this morning. <laughs> 
Nobody's been laughing yet, I guess. Does anybody have caffeine? I'm just getting my caffeine right now. <laughs> hey, this hey, is Shannon. Shannon. Oh, hi, Shannon. How are you? Great. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Janine, tell us about um, your recent conversation or the question that you asked Gandhi. I thought that was fascinating, Gandhi's grandson, about the importance of laughter. Oh, yeah. He um, he was speaking at the University of Scranton, what, about maybe three or four weeks ago, and you know, the talk was a lot about different things going on and, of course, about his grandfather and the peaceful approach he took to things. And I was just thinking, I mean, based on, you know, the research I've been doing and all the things we talk about with laughter, it's just such a great tool that I did get the opportunity to ask him toward the end for the questions and answers um, what role he felt um, that laughter plays in uniting people and in, in the peace process. And he, he did, he, you know, he actually lit up when I asked the question, and he said, thank you for bringing that to our attention. He said it's, it's an incredible tool or weapon that can be used uh, for peace. And it was funny, he talked about, you know, his grandfather and Gandhi, and he said, you know, now I won't say that he was a humorist or a joke teller. I think he mentioned, you know, he wasn't like Abe Lincoln. He said he was, but he did use um, certain charm and wit to disarm people and to disarm the negativity. Um, so it was kind of really interesting that, you know, he felt that, that that really was a powerful tool. And even though, like, Gandhi wasn't, as he said, a joke teller, and that's, an, I think, an important point, too. You don't have to be a comic to use humor in your life or to use it with other people, but he would use it to kind of disfuse negativity and just really um, unite people in a situation. So that was it was really great to, to see him uh, light up about that and, and agree that it really is an important thing to bring people together. Awesome. Who'd have thought? Gandhi, a humorist. <laughs> <laughs> to some degree, he used it. He knew how to, I guess, and that's a, an interesting thing, that because he was so peaceful, you figure, what are you going to use in your toolbox, so to speak, you know, as opposed to something negative, and there it is, humor and laughter. And even if you're not, you know, a super witty person, you can still use the power of humor to, uh, to kind of like pull the negativity out of a situation or to get people to see, um, you know, to think a little bit differently. That's the great thing about humor I, I often mention is that it provides wonderful perspective for us. Um, Dr., uh, or I should say Viktor Frankl, who is a psychiatrist who was in a concentration camp, he wrote the book Man's Search for Meaning. And I love, it's a really serious book, but he talks in the book about how he actually used humor in a concentration camp, and he said even if it was for a few seconds a day, it was the soul's tool for self-preservation, he said. And I just think that's so powerful because I, I myself, I mean, I struggle with this, and I think it's a great thing that I'm out there encouraging people, but at the same time, I'm trying to learn it myself because there are days when I'm thrown off by traffic or running late or spilling coffee, and I'm thinking, Really, these are not the big challenges in life when you have someone like Viktor Frankl who could find humor in a concentration camp. I mean, it's just such a lesson for all of us, I think. Right, exactly. But that's what you said is so powerful. Humor is a sole tool for self-preservation. That's, that's a really powerful statement. You know, without laughter. Something he wrote. I just, Viktor Frankl wrote that, yeah. Right, right. That statement is so powerful. It's um. It's, it's true because if we didn't have laughter, could you imagine what life would be like if there was no laughter or humor in the world and what, what it would feel like? I don't even want to go there. I don't even want to go there. Who formed the first laugh? So what you say? Who formed the first laugh? 
who flipped first? Who, who, who laughed the first laugh? Um, is that a riddle, or are you asking? <laughs> oh, I don't know. That's just a joke. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, that's a good question. <laughs> it's, you know, there's a book out there, and again, I don't know, a lot of people may not be as interested in it as I am, but there's a book called The Scientific Investigation of Laughter that's been written by uh, Robert Provine, and it, it really is interesting about um, about laughter because he studied it in animals and you know chimpanzees because it's really about the sounds we make like the ha 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 sounds and uh, the breathing and animals do it very similarly to um, to uh, humans and you know so he studied that he studied when we laugh when it has nothing to do with anything funny or humorous when we laugh out of nervousness um, he studied the percent of like women tend to laugh more at conversations when they're speaking with men, then vice versa. Men don't laugh as much as a conver- in a conversation with women. He's just, it's a really interesting thing. He's pretty much observed people in different social settings and their laughter. It's kind of a neat thing. And he's even talked about um, laughter from tickling. He said, you know, a lot of kids, if they had older brothers or sisters that would maybe tickle them and they didn't like it, it actually is kind of a traumatic thing now for adults when they think of tickling. It wasn't so much of a, oh, tickling leads to laughter. It was more like a, a torment a lot of times by older siblings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not always positive, I guess. <laughs> oh, I, I, well, it's funny you say that because um, one of my sisters never liked to be tickled. The other one, you just wiggle your finger toward her belly and she would be, she would be hysterical before it even happened. Mm-hmm. You know, so, yeah, interesting, interesting. So, anybody else? More... Go ahead. I was just going to say the other thing, too, about humor. Laughter, I mean, that's an extreme example with the tickling. I mean, laughter, that, that's why it's a great thing to distinguish. Laughter is pretty much always good for our bodies. Humor, on the other hand, we, we do, as I mentioned before, everyone laughs at something that's different. Humor can be powerful, but it, it can also be powerful in a negative way. So I think it's important that, you know, when people are using humor, it's important that it's done in a positive way. Um, That's why with therapeutic humor, I encourage people to use it to gain perspective, but not obviously the jokes that are like the racist or sexist jokes, because those do exist, and that's using humor in a harmful way, obviously. And, I mean, so so humor can be negative. Um, We obviously want to try to avoid that. Right, and keep the positive in it all. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. So we have a few minutes left, and what I would like to do at this point is just mute out the lines and have you recap for us, Janine, um, the uh, various points that you made about the power of humor. And um, then I had asked you to put together some affirmations that we could take away from the conversation today and utilize each day to be able to have uh, use this as a tool in our lives. So, Let's go forward with that. So if you could just give us a recap. And um, also, um, before we do that, let me just say this this about World Laughter Day. There is an event on May the 1st. Um, It's a great way for people to choose to put more laughter into their lives. And this is going to be celebrations happening around the world. Um, And, Janine, you say that there's there's one in New York City, and um, the nearest one is, is just outside of Scranton. Um, Scranton's event, though, that day I'm here, I, I have down here that you, it's from noon to three, free to the public. 
family and friendly, uh, family friendly in Nayog Park. There'll be laughter yoga, story time, kids joke telling showcase, an art project, and a joke book to be sent to the troops overseas. And then from five to seven, there's a comedy show at the Asa Gallery in downtown Scranton. And a donation of ten dollars goes to the nonprofit Human Therapy Fund for the Scranton Foundation. Is that correct? Is there anything else that you need people to know about that day? No, that's pretty much it, and they can go to my website, laughtolive.net. I do have uh, more detailed information about, I mean, that's, those are the highlights, but if people do even want to make a donation, if they can't attend but still want to make a donation, that information is there, and if they even wanted to call ahead and get tickets for the comedy show, they can do that as well. Awesome. Very good. Great. Well, let's, let's recap what we covered today. Okay. Um, if I remember what I said, but uh, yeah, basically, um, I think every one of us can use humor in our lives, even if we're not, if we never thought of ourselves as funny. The idea is that humor is a really powerful resource and tool to help us um, overcome negativity, even if it's from the little things in life to the bigger. Um, it's a great resource to help give us perspective. Uh, Victor Frankl managed to do it in a concentration camp, and it may, I think it takes practice. It's something that Anything that we're not used to doing takes some practice to get consistent, and I think it's important to um, to try to find the humor in life. Uh, recently, I thought of, you know, a lot of times we talk about having an aha moment. I encourage people to have an ahaha moment, something that they can think of, wow, this day isn't going well, but just try to laugh at it and use that power because um, the laughter will be great for, for our bodies, our souls. It's a healthy thing for us to do. And the great thing is that it is contagious. So just like we know a lot of negative people, uh, Debbie Downers, that can spread or we could spread something positive. So when we choose to find the humor in our day, uh, we can also help other people and then it'll spread and it'll be a much more positive, healthy environment to live in. Um, and you did ask for uh, affirmations. And what yeah. I'm going to do, I am actually sharing. I won't take credit for these. I'm sharing these because I do share these when I go out and do laughter yoga, but they were written by um, psychologist Steve Wilson. He started the World Laughter Tour because he believed in laughter. Excuse me, he believes in laughter. But he also started, even before he got into the laughter exercises and the laughter yoga, he was uh, getting into joyology and the whole study of thinking positively. So he wrote a book called Good Hearted Living, and I like his very simple ideas. They're very simple, but they're powerful. And basically the idea is that every day of the week we can find something positive. Um, Mondays, he says, are for compliments. If we see someone that looks good, if we like their hair or their shirt or their dress or their shoes, Tell them because they may be having a really bad day and this could be the pick-me-up that they need and it'll make you feel good. He says Tuesdays are for flexibility, so we don't always have to have our way. It, you know, Maybe just take a step back and say, okay, let's try things differently. And if the day isn't going as well as we'd like, just kind of go with it. Don't resist it. Wednesdays, he says, are for gratitude. Is there something we can be grateful for? I like to think if we're up, awake, alive, and thinking, that's, that's a really great start. Um, Thursdays, he says, are for kindness that we don't have to know someone to do something kind for them. Uh, Fridays, he says, are for forgiveness. Um, is there like a grudge that we're holding or are we just not speaking to a, an old friend or a relative? And maybe it's over something that truly doesn't even matter anymore, but we just are feeling too proud and our ego is getting in the way. So he says, forgiveness. It's really important. And I like to say, forgive ourselves. If we forgive ourselves first, then we can forgive others. And then finally, he says, our weekends are for our chocolate. 
and our chocolate is anything that makes us smile, makes us feel good, whether it's children, grandchildren, pets, hanging around with positive friends that we laugh a lot with, going to see happy comedies, things that put us in a joyful mood. Those are all the things that we need to make time for because they're good for us, they're good for our spirit, our body, and our mind. So that is what I'd like to uh, give you today. I love that. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, I so appreciate having you on the call this morning. I really enjoyed spending this time with you, as I'm sure the others have as well. Um, Please remember, everyone, that we meet every Tuesday morning from 8.30 to 9 for Transformational Tuesdays, making what I call the journey on the transformational trails a little bit more fun and exciting and more inspired. Janine, I really want to thank you for sharing all that you did today. For anyone who wants more information on Janine Luby, please go to her website. What's that site again, Janine? It's, um, if I can give a quick plug, laughtolive.net, and then I also have notprincecharming.com if you're interested in a little bit of a sharper humor about dating. That's uh, that website. Great. And your book, Not Prince Charming, um, it can be purchased on that website as well? Yes, it is on Amazon.com, but of course I would love for people to get it on my website because then I don't have to give money to Amazon. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, awesome. So thanks for joining us, everyone, and we'll see you back here again next Tuesday at 8.30 for another version of Transformational Trails. Thanks to Janine Luby for making this a fun, exciting morning, and have a great day, everyone. Thanks for coming out here.